0: Hey everyone, I'm Sam Kern. You're listening to Radically Different. So this is the first of an experimental mini-series exploring this idea of push energy versus pull energy. Uh, The mini-episodes that follow are from a conversation with uh, Jonathan Hiller and Raul Espinoza, who I've been co-living with in Mexico for the past six weeks. So uh, who are these guys? Well, Jonathan Hiller is a film director uh, who was a director on the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, He's the founder of multiple media agencies, and his work has been featured in places like CNN, The New York Times, National Geographic, and many more. Raul Espinoza is a photographer, a filmmaker, and a consultant whose work has also been featured in the New York Times and National Geographic. He's a global traveler who supports organizations in developing countries around the world, including places like Iraq, the favelas of Brazil, and Senegal, India. As you'll hear, both these guys are incredible thinkers uh, with a lot of life experience and uh, quite the gift for articulating these ideas. Take a listen and please reach out if you feel called. Um, I think all of us want to know what you think about this concept and whether or not it resonates or feels completely out of touch. All right, let's go. So, John, I want to have this conversation because I think you introduced the the topic of push versus pull energy to me Mm -hmm. probably a year ago. Mm -hmm. And it's something that uh, was brought up again probably about a week ago with you. And it kind of made me really start to think about my life. Um, And what are the ways in which I'm pushing versus being pulled Mm. and I wanted to loop Raul into this conversation as well because uh, Raul you and I kind of had you know some conversations that were similar It just seems like there's a lot of different Ways that different people in my life have been saying the same thing
1: Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Whether that is like, you know, hell yes or no uh, Follow your highest excitement Mm um push energy versus pull energy Mm. you know don't do like don't shit all over yourself that type of (laughs) thing right (laughs) so and then raul you and i had a moment where you were kind of coaching me a little bit in that practice of sort of letting of the outcome and you're reading the book uh the surrender experiment which my understanding based on like the 15 chapters i've read is is kind of that concept Mm-hmm. So I thought what an amazing opportunity to have both of you guys here in a room in a physical space And I figured we just kind of jam on some ideas um, Love it. So yeah. John do you want to start out by just defining this idea of push energy versus pull energy?
2: Yeah, sure um, Yeah, I think of I think of pull like pull energy as as an attractive force um, So you could say I mean an example of pull. I, I hear language like "can't not" um, is a great example of an indication of pull energy present. So, like, I, I just couldn't not do it. Like, it was so it was so inspiring or so enticing um, or even uh, intoxicating that I just like couldn't not do it. A lot of times we associate this with like addictive energy, um, but I think it's distinct. Like, I think it is. Um, there's a difference between becoming addicted or attached to something and becoming so enticed by the idea of something that you can't not do it. So Mm. a good example for me, and this is a a good example of like push-pull in my life as a child, I often try to think of examples or like metaphors for my adult life that are very very clear, almost epochs of my evolution as a kid. Um, And so one that (laughs) occurred to me the other day was my mom like forced me to play piano because she was like, this is gonna be good for you. And she knew like intellectually, emotionally, it was, a, it was a good stimulant for a child to learn how to play piano. And I remember in the beginning, I did it just to sort of like placate my mom, um, just to kind of say like, okay, that's fine. Like, I'll do this, I'll acquiesce to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, okay, in order for you to do this well, you have to practice like two hours a day. And I remember it being like, essentially like, so laborious to me to just sit down at the piano and like force myself to play stuff that just wasn't intuitively inspiring to me um and i had a piano like a teacher miss terry she you know rest in peace she was like a lovely person but she definitely um was like this is the way it should be you just have to get through it i would say things like I just don't like playing this song, and she'd be like, "Well, it's a classic, and you should you should just do it." There you yeah. go. <laughs> right? There you go. Should. Yeah. So a good indication of push energy is should, um, and the, the the reason like, and I'd say something like, "Well, what do you mean why?" And usually an indication of the push energy again is, "Well, you just should," you know, or or it's almost like a repetition of the of the prompt, right? Like, "What? Well, why?" And it's like. Well, because, because I said so, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I spent years playing, like suffering through trying to practice playing songs that weren't inspiring. Um, and to me, towards the end of that, I, let's say I was probably around like 12 or 13 years old, and I was like, I hate the piano. Like, I don't want to play this anymore. I can see the potential sometimes for like the way that it can allow me to express myself, but I'm so up against a wall here that I just like can't do it. I quit piano lessons with Miss Terry, and then I started piano lessons with a teacher named Alicia, and she, for the first time ever, after playing piano for probably five years, I was asked, what do you want to play? And it created the silence in my mind, I'm like, oh shit, I have no idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I never even really thought about that. And then there was this period of time where there was just actually no clear answer to that. Like, I did not know. I just knew for years, like, what I didn't want to play. But I'd never been asked, what do you actually want to play? And so that it required patience to get to the point where one day I heard a song called Angel Eyes by Jim Brickman, which is a like a pop jazz song. And I was like, that's it. And it lit me up in a way that it, it accessed a certain part of my brain that never could have been accessed when I was like pushing on all of this classical music that wasn't inspiring to me. And a lot of times the indication of this hard pull energy is inspiration or um, almost like it's like a catalyst. Um, it is the why, I guess, that will, will allow you to endure any how. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden I was practicing mm-hmm. three hours a day joyfully. Hmm. I had no idea that piano could be joyful, right? But it was the right music. I like, I just, I immediately started to adjust everything in my experience of what it was to be a piano player to the music that was finally inspiring. Um, and all of a sudden I started playing piano like in a way that was like so deeply expressive that I could see now I was like intoxicated by the idea of playing piano. Um, and this is a good way of, of and it, for me it's an example of it's not necessarily like the thing, it's, it wasn't piano, right? And a lot of times, you can think about this in relationships, it's sometimes it's not the person. Um, It's not like the act of like, well, is this the right piano or not? A lot of times for me, it's the sheet music. It's like, what am I being inspired by and how am I getting enticed into something? Um, And learning how to trust that, I think is extremely important because most piano players spend years and years and years and years pushing on classics that, and it's not the classics, like that's not, it's not their fault. It could be that they were getting pushed to play jazz music and they wanted to play the classics, but they're playing so much jazz that they lose their soul. Mm. And I think the pull yeah. is the soul and the push is like the mind, the should. Yeah. So that's like a, a I, rough explanation, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
0: I think about it with a lot of different like, skills that you're trying to learn. Mm. So for me, the way that I was forced to learn computer science, like programming mm. and yeah, computer science, felt so push. I com- mm. I felt like the, the department and myself completely lost track of the why yeah. like why am I learning this so instead of starting out with here is an introduction to the power of what you can create with code mm. by say building something creating a little project mm. whatever mm. instead they put you straight into classes about like the basics of computer science right computer mm. you know and then farther down it's like computer science theory and architecture and it's so dry and boring Right? Yeah. whereas I think the better way to learn something and, and it works like yeah. eventually you get through it right Right.
2: Right. it'll, it'll teach you how to play scales absolutely right, <laughs> right?
0: but then and, and then you get to experience the you know so there's something to be said about okay pushed through yeah. the hardship of getting through the you know whatever if it's the scales sure. or the classical music or the computer science theory and now on the other side I get to experience its power mm. but I think a better way is to experience its power at the beginning and then you understand why you're chugging along Mm. why you're working so hard right Mm. so for me for computer science a better way to do it would be give someone a project now they know the power of it now they want to get all the skills to be able to do their job better to hone their craft to understand okay when i do this what is the reason for doing it and now that i have that knowledge i'm more powerful
2: right yeah and we have like incorrect words i think for when someone is stuck in a bunch of push how (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> let, me, let me explain like because the how is what you're talking about like learning mm-hmm. the skill but a lot of times it looks like when people aren't motivated by the idea of it they look lazy so lazy is a really good word that mm-hmm. we just kind of label someone as lazy because they're like not showing up on time and they're not you know and to me it's just a beautiful indication of they haven't found the reason for really showing up like mm-hmm. they haven't actually it doesn't actually make sense to them to put in the time to practice the scales, because they haven't found the sheet music yet.
0: Roel, I'm curious to get your take on this, so, you know, this concept of push energy versus pull energy, how would you articulate it, and how have you seen it show up in your life? I mean, the the way that you guys are talking about it right now, I also see
1: the difference between the journey from A to B, right, and that's the difference, the, the way we associate our journey from A to B, no matter what it is, is a have to or get to right like and how do we operate in that type of mentality so we say we have to go to work and we get to go home right uh, so oh, that's when, good so when we think about <laughs> it like some people like laziness uh you know how much of the ingredients are they part of in the have to get to conversation and what's the benefit of it what's the journey of it so like mm. there's a part of me where i notoriously historically forced growth i had to grow like it was I'm on a mission, I have a vision, I have to push, I have to create. And in doing so, I really overstepped a lot of my joys. Like I really overstepped a lot of the rewards that actually came from my journey because of my expectation. Because now if I'm thinking about A to B, if I'm at A and I want B, there's an expectation or an assumption about what B entails and how I'm supposed to experience it based on where I'm at, right? Mm -hmm. So now if I'm on this journey, my mission in B or my supposed B, like the, the destination, of the vision of what I think I want, is now going to dictate my experience of today. So people say I want to have, I want to be a millionaire. Why do you want to be a millionaire? Well, I want to be able to buy anything I want at whenever I do want. Well, why do you want to? What would you buy if if you could buy anything you want whenever you want? It's like, well, I would buy a home first cool, what does a home represent for you? What is a space where I could get together with my family and feel comfortable and secure? Mm. It's like, what does that mean for you? It's like, well, I could be at peace and peace and tranquility with myself. Mm. So you're not really aiming for this. You just think that B is tied into this this experience of surrender and, and peace and tranquility
2: when it's really not, right? So now I have to do these things in order to have that.